Well, Samantha, it's very nice to meet you. You look you look awesome. Thank you. You look awesome as well. Thank you. I, I got the blonde hair. We're both blonde. You see that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm so happy we're getting a chance to speak, and I'm looking forward to hearing about um, your past, present, future, all in between. I heard you've had an interesting life. I've had a very interesting life. And, right. you know, I, I feel like I've been asked a lot about my childhood and you know it was a very dark childhood mm. uh it wasn't I, I had a lot of I lived inside my imaginary world which was a beautiful world but I mm. had a lot of you know things that I obstacles that I overcame but I, I I kind of am at a place now where I really want to talk about how all those things resonated in me and kind of uh, followed me around for a long time, haunting me, and then mm. sort of now became the thing that's made me the most joyous, I think. Interesting. You know, so I think that it's, I, I, I've had, really since writing the book, I've realized that um, a big element of healing is really admitting that it happened. Yeah. You know, and yeah. just really trying to come to terms with that. And so in ways that are healthy and not sort of, um, I definitely went down a few self-destructive paths in my mm -hmm. time. It's a very typical path to take, you know, I when see. you're trying to numb yourself or anesthetize something or forget about something that happened. Yeah. So. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you said about resonating, like what about these times have resonated with you that has gotten you to this point? Well, I think, I think one of the biggest things was for me, um, when I became a mother, for example, I, I think that was one of the most profound things I'd ever accomplished. And to me, becoming a mother was uh, a joyous experience. It was sort of like, it never happened to anybody but me. <laughs> it was so unique. <laughs> you were the only one that experienced it, I was the it, right? only one that ever that's went it, through this. Samantha Hart, I mean, that's, that's it. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but then at the same time, you know, you look at your child and you love them so much. And then you're reminded that you weren't loved that way. Mm. And so again, it, you know, it sort of ripples out, it sort of resonates. And so, you know, the way that I chose to um, counterbalance that I think was to become a really good mother to mm. really, you know, sometimes in some ways overcompensate. I was a single mom and I, you know, overcompensated in some ways of, you know, maybe overindulging my daughter in mm -hmm. things that, you know, maybe not being as strict as I should have been. I, I, I honestly, she's a very balanced, beautiful child. So yeah. I don't think I really damaged her. You didn't be, it wasn't a bad this, idea, right? <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't a bad idea, but I, I just think back on it and it's, it, it kind of, I, I didn't realize it as I was going through it, but you know, as much as you love that child and you look at them and you, you know, it's, it's as much of a reminder of your own 
disappointment mm. in how you were loved. And so in a way, I think it holds you back. You know, mm. like, I think in my career, even though I've had a very successful career, I've been extremely lucky. I've had really valuable mentors and people who've really been looked out for me along the way. Um, I also think that I didn't accomplish everything that I could have hmm. if I hadn't held on to this like negative self-image. You know, like I would see my daughter and reflected back at me was something that I never would know. Do you know hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And and I think that it happens for a lot of people and they don't really know how to articulate that. It's not, it's like, you're happy that you're, you're, you're happy. You have this child, you're so in love and you're so fulfilled by the love they're giving back to you, mm -hmm. but there's still something missing in your life. And I think that's why I wrote the book. Yeah. Well, you know, tell everybody a little bit about the book and um, you mentioned your career. Just kind of, we'll wrap this into all of this. I think this all makes sense. There's a whole universe of S Samantha here that to be explored there is there's a whole universe there so the book well, the motivation the career let's talk about it well you know i grew up on a farm in rural pennsylvania really and yes and um it was um i wouldn't exactly say we were like dirt poor mm -hmm. but because we, we, were, we were landowners we had you know lots of land and and horses and things but I mean, I never, you know, I never took a shower until I was an adult. Come on. Until I was a teen, teenager on my own. Are you I serious? Mean, I, yeah, we, we had one bathroom for eight people and one would run one tub of water and the eight of us would, would bathe in it. And so you wow. can imagine, you know, um, and you know, it was a dilapidated farmhouse. In my mind, it's this mansion, it's this glorious place, but right. it wasn't. Um, yeah, I used to take my showers under the spigot when the, you know, the roof, the roof gutter, when it rained, um, I would stand out there and pretend it was a shower because I wanted right. to know what a shower was. And, you know, I mean, I, I just, you know, I was abused as a child. Um, my mother moved us back to the farm when I was five. And I was at that vulnerable age where my grandfather could kind of groom me to become, uh, you know, someone that he could take advantage of. Mm. And that persisted until I left the farm. And so it caused me to run away when I was 14. I went looking for my dad. He, I found him, he was a character, but not a good father. Mm -hmm. um, I idolized him in my mind for various reasons, but he was, to say he was a disappointment is an understatement. Mm. Um, he was, but he was a character. You couldn't stay mad at him for long. I see. Um, he, he was uh, a unique, wonderful, colorful character. Right. And I think I actually have a lot of the same traits as him. Um, Cause he, he's, kind of a mm, tall tailor, you know, whatever. Okay, he's stretching, the stretching things a little bit. Here. He yeah. stretched the truth. He's stretching the truth, yeah. Um, like he told me I was named Sam after Johnny Cash's, like, no, that Johnny Cash made a boy named Sue 
because he told Johnny when they were out on tour that he had a girl named Sam. Oh, okay. And of course, he's the one who told Johnny to wear all black. Oh, he was the reason. Yeah, He was the reason. Okay. And, you know, tales like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this story, I bring it up specifically because and I think it's one of my favorite parts in the book where this crotchety old billionaire sort of crushes me when I tell him I'm my name's Sam and I'm named after Johnny Cash named a boy named Sue after me. And this is a story that I had told time and time again, again, to build up my own importance. This was while I was a teenage runaway to make me seem more important than just this little girl from a farm. Yeah. And I told this story over and over and over and no one ever questioned it. And this guy actually made me sing it. And then after I was finished singing, it said, well, unless you know, unless your daddy knows Shel Silverstein, that song's not about you. Johnny right. Cash didn't write that song. Mm-hmm. Silverstein did. Right. And you don't understand what that did to me. It mm. crushed me. It made me feel, you know, I was, I was 15, 16 years old. And this man's telling me all this myth that I had built up, you know, all these mm-hmm. years about myself. Yeah. Lie. And so it, it put me into a real dark tailspin and just, you know, one thing after the other kind of, you know, things just like sand kind of slipping through my fingers. I couldn't, there was nothing for me to hang on to. I had no rock in my life and I was just kind of floating from one situation to the next. Someone thought my Pittsburgh accent sounded British. So I became (laughs) British. What? You know, then someone thought it sounded more Australian. So then I was Australian. <laughs> You're an Australian, I mean, mate. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was I was just kind of this, you know, it wasn't that I was lying. I was just, you know, and, and I always had this feeling that the FBI was out looking for me or something. No one was looking for <laughs> Nobody me. Nobody was looking for you. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't care. You know, they were glad I was gone. I mean, I mean you were like four people, a, though, so I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Simple or something. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, but, you know, it was every anything I could do to survive. That yeah. was what it was about. Yeah. It was about survival. And if they thought it was cooler, if I was British, okay, I'll be British. And, <laughs> And I did end up going to England. What? And yes, I ended up in England and um, working as a photo stylist. And yeah. I ended up traveling the world. And, you know, just if it's honestly, sometimes I don't even believe it myself. When I started <laughs> writing the book, I was like, well, you know, it was actually my husband who kept saying to me, you should write a book. Mm-hmm. And this was before I really told him some of the real nitty gritty things, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I keep these journals and I've kept them since I was really young. And what motivated me to write the book is I found one of them and it said, um, I was 12 years old at the time. And I said, "What? Uh, this is a story about me, nobody special. Mm. And so it really profoundly hit me like this is about me nobody special Hmm. and i thought if this girl wanted to write this story about herself because she was nobody special it's time i fulfilled that girl's dream because obviously at 12 years old i felt i had something to say 
And what I wanted to say was that I wasn't really being seen and heard. And that's where the, the title Blind Pony, is there light flashing over there? Can you see a light flash? I see something flashing. I thought it was part of the theatrical backdrop. We're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was a Hollywood off. thing or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I think, I think, uh, I think, I think something's flashing. I did notice it. And I was like, I'm not going to say anything about this. <laughs> I'll just it, let this it roll. Is it. No, it's not better. Yeah, a little. Um, yeah. I think I think that's my beauty light. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just part of the show, you know. It's like the show must well, go on, Samantha. Um, but so where were we? What were we talking, talking about? about oh, the, the, you know, the journals. And, the journals, yeah. And I think, you know, I just started writing uh, about it, and it just. You know, I think, I think, for example, my situation of abuse wasn't really like me too. Um, okay. Was it, it was something different, you know? Um, but because of all these women coming forward, I don't think you could have told this story 10 years ago hmm. because I feel like it's, it's tough to hear these things. It is. And yeah. I think that a lot of these brave women, they really, um, they really brought down some walls and made it easier for people to, you know, for women like me to come yeah. forward and say, yes, this actually happened. Yeah. So for that, I'm really grateful, but the book just kind of became a thing where, you know, I was reading, I started reading these journals and I started saying some of this stuff is just unbelievable. And you know how, when you're young, a year seems to last forever. Yes. And yes. as you get older, it just goes by faster and faster. It's fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, this book really, the the bulk of it really only takes place between 14 and 20. Hmm. The the bulk of it. Yeah. But it goes on and on. The hmm. the the stories, the scenarios I get myself into getting arrest, almost arrested in Hamburg, Germany, and for selling nude photographs to yeah. you know i'm just it's just a crazy ride so wow I don't know, have, you, have you read the book or? no i didn't i didn't get a chance to read it but i i like hearing hearing this because i'm like man now i have to read it <laughs> like what's going on yeah, between I, 14 and 20 <laughs> well i think i think that there's something in it for i think that even though it's about this young girl and whatnot I do think that it resonates with people on a lot mm. of different levels. But I on, think, what, what, on what level mostly do you think? Well, I'm not really sure. Like, I mean, I have heard from a lot of readers. I'm, I've been mm -hmm. stunned at how many people have reached out to me to tell me that's they went through something similar. Um, but I think that it's a lot, a lot of it is about identity. Oh. Um, and, you know, I was named after my father's affair. Whoa. And so, you know, my dad called me Sam and, you know, my mother named me something else hmm. and she wouldn't call me Sam. She wouldn't, she, she wanted to name me after his affair. Huh. And, you know, it was something she reminded me of repeatedly. 
So mm. it was a that was a form of abuse as well. Right. And when I think the tipping point for me, you know, I tried to reignite relationship with my mother and she told my daughter I was named after my father's affair. Yeah. And that was kind of the last straw for me. Yeah. But but I think that it's a it's a book about identity, you know, finding your true self, finding your worth. Is that something um, you think most people that have contacted you, that's been their struggle is identity, like trying to figure that out, that. even as they've aged, they're still trying to figure that out or they've come to terms with it. I, I think that I think that it reminds people that they've swept certain things under the rug I see. in their life. Yeah. And that's where it stays. If that's what you do. That's true. It stays there. And I think that when you read this book, it's so outrageous, the things that happen. And they are very specific to this mm -hmm. young girl, but they are universal themes in a way mm. because they are running from oneself, running from you know, being afraid of success. You know, if, if I became successful, you know, let's say, like what, you know, I think what held me back from becoming more successful is, you know, I took on this persona of who I am now, Samantha Hart. My, my birth name is Pammy Sue. Oh. Pammy Sue Butter. Pammy Sue Butter. Pammy Sue Butter, B-U-T-T-E-R. Huh. And that's the name I was given when I was born. And right. so, um, so, you know, I chose Sam, I chose to go by the mm -hmm. name my father gave me later in life. But, you know, once I became Samantha Hart, and that's a story, um, how I chose the name Hart, well, actually, my daughter kind of chose it. But, um, but uh, yeah, that's an interesting story. And then, and then it became like, well, if I get too successful, I'm going to be somebody's going to figure out that I'm really just Pammy Sue Butter, right. you know, it's yeah. almost like a breakfast at Tiffany's moment. Yes. You know, where's Lily May, you know, yes. Holly Golightly. Um, and, and I was so fearful of that. You know, I didn't yeah. want people to find out that I was Pammy Sue Butter from a farm in Pennsylvania. Right. And that I wasn't this, you know, because I, I was quite worldly by the time I was 20 and I'd been around the world. Yeah. I had been, you know, in fabulous castles and mansions and met incredible people. And the one thing with the book I really didn't want to do was make it kind of a tell all, I you see. know, so I really kept it from the perspective of this young girl's point of view, because she didn't really care who these people were. She didn't really know who mm -hmm. they were. There wasn't the kind of culture of celebrity there is now. Um, yeah. Obviously, I wasn't blind to the fact that they were wealthy people yeah. or that I was flying first class. But um, but I'm just saying, you know, it, it all sort of didn't really matter hmm. to me. Um, you know, I, I, I knew in my soul who I was. It wasn't like I was trying to pretend I was somebody else, but I didn't want people to know who I really was. Mm. If that makes sense. Well, what, but you said that they may find out who you really are. So what was the fear behind that, that you would be considered like, oh, now we're going to downgrade Samantha Hart because she's actually, you know, yeah. Miss, Miss Butter 
yeah. basically. Yeah. You know. <laughs> she's Other butter. My, she's yeah, butter. She's, well, and think <laughs> about it. Pam Butter. I mean, I don't know about that name, honestly. <laughs> honestly. Okay. And so for a little while, I tried. So for a little while, it was Samantha Butter, but then that just no. sounded like a porn star. Okay, that sounds know? even worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Samantha Butter. So, I mean, it was really, you know, it was really like, um, you know, it was really hard to come out with that. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I don't, I didn't, you know, it's like, I remember when I saw, you know, I saw David Geffen come out mm -hmm. as gay on stage right. at an event and he, you know, and he was getting a lot of pressure at the time from the gay community to come out because, you know, AIDS was really a topic and, you know, it was really on everyone's minds and he needs to be a role model. And, you know, and it was kind of like, dude, leave, leave them alone. Like yeah. let, everybody has to get to that point on their own, yeah. you know, just because you're an icon doesn't mean you have to do something. That's true. You know, and I guess that I just got to this point in my life where I was at my most joyous, you know, where I felt really confident and secure in who I am that I didn't really give a flying, you know, what, yeah. what people think of, yeah that I am Pammy Sue Butter, but I'm also Samantha Hart. Yeah. Or any, you know, or, you know, maybe I'll become someone else. I mean, this um, is a theme, you becoming someone else over time. Well, you know what I really want to become is I really want to become someone who can help people. Yeah. Especially teens going through these situations. I mean, I've started a foundation called the Blind Pony Foundation. It hasn't launched yet, but I really feel committed to, um, at this point in my life, to trying to make a difference. I'm not sure yeah. how all those pieces are going to fit together, sure. but sure, it's something that I feel really strongly about because I lived basically I lived in the closet for how many yeah. years, and living in the closet kept me from really, I think, fulfilling my full potential. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I would say so. I, you know, what makes me think of like you're meeting all these people, you're traveling around the world, wealthy people, and all that. Did you have a sense of their identity that they were being their true selves, or that that was an identity that they were having? Oh, well, that's an interesting question because I, I, I obviously could see through all, most. That's of what it. I mean. Yeah, someone like because you I would was have to very see that. Oh, I was a very clever little girl. Yeah, <laughs> and I. I definitely could see through it. And um, for example, the man who outs my uh, father for call, saying that I wasn't named after a girl named Sue. Yeah. I could tell that he was tormented. I could tell that he was completely tormented. Man. Yeah. And, you know, even though he was a, a, an heir to a huge fortune and he was very wealthy, um, he was a lot, he was in a very bad place. Yeah. And, you know, a place that someone my age couldn't really even comprehend where he was. And I was hired as a drug runner to bring him some quaaludes and some cocaine. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, I, they gave me like $250 and a first class ticket to run, to, mm -hmm. run this stuff to New York for him. And it was like yeah. no big deal. It wasn't like I was a drug runner. I wasn't like. Yeah, no, I see. Yeah, it was saying. just a friend said, Would you take this to New York to this guy? Sure, you know? Sure. And I'm like, Yeah, I'll do it. I mean, I would do anything. I was completely, you know, my my mantra in those days was I've got nothing to lose. Mm. 
I really was fearless because I had, I felt nobody cares about me. Nobody cares mm. if I end up a Jane Doe in a ditch somewhere. Nobody, yeah. will, no, nobody will know the difference. So what difference does it make? And I think that later in life, when I started to give a shit, once I had my daughter, yeah, um, that same ideal of I've got nothing to lose also allowed me to go beyond my comfort zone mm. in, in positive ways. Interesting. You know, like take chances in my career. Right. Go for jobs that were maybe way over my head and I didn't care. I'd walk yeah. in with the confidence and go and claim it for myself. Yeah. And I, I also also have happened to have talent, you know, or yeah. I wouldn't have gotten those jobs. I had the talent to write copy or to um make campaigns, unique campaigns for films that I've done over the years. Some of them are still talked about like Dazed and Confused. Oh my God. That was my campaign and that's enjoying really? a huge resurgence from uh, the incredible book written by Melissa Mertz. Mm. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Oh, oral history of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the oral history of Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused that just came out recently. And yeah. It, so there's been kind of a resurgence, but, you know, that campaign was create, you know, was something that I created. Yeah. And so I think, you know, I, I think hiding who I was allowed me to go beyond my comfort zone, mm. but it also kept me at a certain level, you know, because, you know, I got a reputation for being a little eccentric you know what does that um, mean like and i mean i know what the word means but well, like for you for me well what comes to mind is like when i was at universal pictures and mm -hmm. they took my boss took me off the billy elliott campaign so i could focus on meet the parents yeah. and i came in wearing a black veil because i was in mourning <laughs> So, I mean, <laughs> for me, you know, the parents, really, you're in a black veil. No, I mean, because I, because I, I wanted to work on Billy Elliot. Right. You don't want to do no, meet no, the I parents. Was, yeah. No, I wanted to do both. Oh, so you, so you were upset that you could just do one of them. Yes. Yeah. What's so, wrong with I mean, meet I was, the parents was good. I mean, I no, like, I loved it. I loved that. <laughs> I love Jay Roach, but I, I was just a little odd, you know? I mean, I, I think, I think that I um, used, um, uh, some, sometimes I would deflected things okay. by, by being, you know, by making people laugh or uh -huh. by not being taken totally seriously, because maybe I was afraid I would be named chairman of the studio Oh. And then I'd be outed as Pammy Butter. You know? It's always you know comes I mean? back to Butter. Yeah, I mean. It always awesome. comes back to Pammy it Sue. It always comes back I mean, to Pammy Sue Butter. And it sounds like you were telling the tales. You were stretching things much like, uh, did you say your father would yes, do? Yes, like Wild Bill. Like Wild Bill. You were embodying Wild Bill on some of this. On some in some ways. I mean, maybe it's just in my DNA, you know. Right. But, but I think I did. I met him at such a crucial point. I mean, like really to give you the backstory on Wild Bill, um, I didn't really know him from, I mean, we, we left when I was four, I have very yeah. vague memories of him when I was a child, mostly of my parents fighting, 
But then when I was about eight or nine years old, he showed up on a white stallion. Come on. No, seriously, dressed in a white cowboy outfit with his brothers, Pinky and Skinny. <laughs> and they rode up Gobbler's Knob. And I was out in the hay field rolling bales of hay down the field. And my, and he came up to me, he goes, girl, what's your name? And I go, I'm Pam. He goes, no, you're Sam. And don't you forget it. And then my grandfather came up behind him and stabbed him with a pitchfork. Come on. I, I, I honestly, this God, seems like a movie three, on my three children's lives. It's true. <laughs> okay. He stabbed him with a pitchfork and in my naive mind, I mean, he didn't like really, there wasn't like blood gushing, right. but yeah. in my naive mind, by the time I was a teenager, it was like, he was may, may, might as well, while well, Bill might have as well been Jesus Christ on the cross, right. like dying for, you know, my, you know, yeah. to be my savior. Yeah. I mean, wow. it was fantastical. And, um, but it's true. It's true. Right. He stabbed him. And he said, you know, get the hell off my land and don't you come back and all this. And wow. So then I didn't see my father again until I wobbled in in six inch platform pink hills to meet him at Dave's Tavern. Yeah. And my dad said, hey, Mikey, get her a drink. And she goes, what do you want? I said, how about a Coke? And he said, make it a rum and Coke. Oh, and that man. was my dad. So wow. the next day he he enrolled me in high school in my with my hangover. Mm -hmm. And um, and that was it. I didn't see him for three months. Wow. You know, it was it yeah. was really sad. It was really I was yeah. I was. And then I was like questioning, should I have let, left the farm? Is this better for me? Mm -hmm. um, you know, who knows if it was? Yeah. I mean, I had to stop what was going on because I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. But it sounds like all of your, all of this, you, I'm kind of fixated on this risk taking you've done in your life. Yeah. Like you said it, like because you're, kind of willing to embody these different people that it may almost made you fearless to try things that other people would never try. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. You know, um, like it's a weird thing, but it's also an, a, 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 it, it pulls you forward in many ways too. I think it pulls me forward in a lot of ways. I think, you know, like for example, this conversation we're having right mm. now, I couldn't have done this two years ago. Why? A year ago. Cause I hadn't written the book. I hadn't come clean. I hadn't, I hadn't sort of found my worth. Hmm. You know, I hadn't rediscovered that I'm just as important no matter what name you put on me. Yeah. You yeah. know? Hmm. And I think that that crosses so many, you know, I mean, lines, you know, like someone yeah. came out to me recently, someone very dear to me came out to me recently as being gay. Uh huh. And he said, I want to come out. And I said, well, what are you coming out of? Hmm. You're just you, baby. Yeah. You don't have to come out of anywhere. <laughs> Interesting. You know, because I understand what that means to put yourself in a, you know, you know, yeah. put your, to be outed. You yeah. know, it's, it's interesting. It's like it's all the identity. Me a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's identity. All identity. It's all identity. Who it, are it, we? 
who are we? It's like, are we our skin color? Are we our sexuality? Are we, you know, we're, we're all of it and we're all sort of, you know, what is the difference between this heir who is going through all this grief, which is one of the reasons he outed me about my dad. Yeah. You know, or, you know, me sort of trying to out him about why he's so unhappy, mm-hmm. you know, and he's living in this opulent mansion in Manhattan. It, it's interesting. It's like, I think, like I said, I mean, it's interesting that we're having this conversation today and it's really something I couldn't even have formed the words a year ago. Hmm. I mean, it's a pretty big jump from a year to now to be able to talk like this. So what were those conversations like before you felt like this? I never admitted it. I never, you know, like you've seen TV shows or whatever where somebody comes up and goes, Abigail, 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 Eddie, I know you from sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I've never met you in my life. You know, <laughs> let's go, darling. You know, let's, oh, this is the right? British. Okay, it's British you, you know, here. The British right. shoes here. Okay, who was the British person's <laughs> so, name, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> no, she was the same. She was okay, the same. Okay, but you just, your but, accent was the same. <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know it's what like, you're saying. Yeah. You know, it, it's like you're, you know, you're afraid you're going to be found out yeah. that you're not that person. So you stay in the closet you know in other words i don't think i could have been i i don't think i could have come out like and become more successful or Mm. you know like built. you know i built a really big company 40 Mm -hmm. people two offices it made you know wildly successful yeah but it only to a point because like i wouldn't do something on a national stage that would have garnered me the cover of Forbes, for example, uh-huh. you know, not that I ever had this, not that I have the smarts to be able to do that, but I couldn't have because my, you know, this Pammy Sue was holding yeah. me back this identity, you know, this fear of people finding yeah. out that I was just this sad little girl from a farm mm. who wore Salvation Army clothes. Yeah. You know, I became a really great stylist because I had a knack and a flair for being able to put outfits together. Yeah. Because I had to pin clothes on me, you know, to make them look cool because I wore Salvation Army clothes. Yeah. And when we went to live with the farm, we were five girls and we had an aunt who took in foster kids. And she got these clothes for free and she would bring over bags and bags of Salvation Army stuff, you know? Um, I I mean, when I was at Geffen Records, I thought nothing of spending $3,000 on a suit to go to a meeting. Sure. Because it gave me the confidence I needed to be able to go in there and say, their Nirvana penis should stay. Right. We should not make this a baby girl. It needs to be a baby boy. Right. You know, so if that Azadine Elias suit for $3,000 gave me that confidence. Yeah. I spent, you know, like I did that actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It's like, um, but it's propping you up for with not, you know. Yeah. This is like the ghost of Pammy Sue Butter. 
that this no. ghost is following you or something. It well, the ghost like... isn't following me anymore. It's part of me. You've merged no, with it. I've merged with with Pam. So what do you mean? You're talking about it out in the you're out it you're out in the public talking about this person, this person. Like, hey, I'm now these people. I I've become these people. I'm okay to talk about it. Well, I am Samantha Hart. I mean, I'm 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 my my preference is Sam Hart. Right. Um, but I was Samantha Hart. Um, but like, I will never go back to being called Pammy Sue Butter. I mean, yeah. to me, it was a very hurtful thing. Sure. Um, that my mother put that handle on me mm. because to name me after an affair, why she wasn't happy. Yeah. She to tell me that's from the time I was little. Can you imagine being said, you know, no, you know, you're, you know, you were named after a whore, you know, and wow. so I'm named after somebody I'm never going to meet. You know, it's, it's like that I, that wasn't particularly liked, you know, it gives me a lot of empathy for adopt adoptive kids, you know, yeah, because yeah. in a way, you know, it's very different, but in a way that I was named after someone I will never meet, mm. you know, that has no yeah. meaning in my life. Sure. Right. How do your kids and feel about this story? My kids? Yeah. Do they know all this, the backstory and everything? Um, my daughter, of course, does mm -hmm. because my mother told her. Oh. You know, and if you think about how cruel it is, if you think about like my daughter is six years old, I'm deciding that, you know, um, she doesn't have any grandparents in her life. I I want her to have, you know, so I try to mend the fence with my mother. Mm -hmm. over my daughter and so right. i start sending my daughter down to florida to spend a few weeks of the summer with my mom and so you know you would when you're a grandparent you go like oh ask your mom if you can have that popsicle or whatever yeah. right and and i and i she would say my mom would say oh well will pammy sue be okay with you having that popsicle well, who's Pammy Sue? Well, Pammy Sue's your mom. No, my mom is Samantha. No, she's not. Hmm. Like this is the dialogue that you're having with a six-year-old. Right. You know, that is not yeah. okay. No, it's not okay. That's there's something very drastically wrong yeah. with this person. Yeah. So, you know, so that was like part of it. And then like my boys, my sons, my, my daughter's older and she has grandchildren now. And um, I think my daughter, the book is very hard for my daughter because mm. she realizes I went through a lot of pain. And when she was little, her life was magical. Right. You know, we lived in a, in a small apartment, but she had the bedroom and it was all, you know, gloriously decked out in Laura Ashley, you know, and I slept, I slept on the couch. I mean, I wanted her to want for nothing, as I told you. And so, you know, and I worked my way up in my career fairly quickly and I got successful and then we had a beautiful home. But even when we lived in that tiny apartment, we, I, I made a, a garden for her on the side of the apartment and everybody said, oh, what, what are you doing digging that dirt? It's never gonna, nothing's gonna grow there. I'm telling you, we had tomato plants six feet tall. Nice. You know, we had every kind of herb, every kind of, you know, zucchinis growing wild. And, you know, it was just sheer force of will 
that I wanted my daughter to have these things that meant so much to me as a little girl, you know, biting into a ripe red tomato, yeah. you know, because um, there were good memories from the farm as well, you know. Sure. Uh, but so my, my relationship with my daughter was very different than what I have with my sons. With my daughter, my constant fear was she's going to run away. Hmm. And I wasted a lot of time fearing. She, right. I right. had a boyfriend at the time and he said like, Sam, where is she going to run to? Like, she's got it made here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why, right. why would she run away? But it was a rational um, fear to you. It was rational in your mind yeah. based off of your upbringing and things. You exactly. Know? Exactly. And I wish I wouldn't have wasted that much time worrying mm. about that. But like with my sons, um, they're, you know, it's all very different. They've, they've known about, you know, they, they've known, um, they, they went through the process of me writing this book and kind of learned more. Um, because like, for example, one time when I was little, I, I would hide in little tiny tight spaces. I like to be in the dark. I like to hide and I felt safe or whatever. And one time they were all out and I, hid in a in a closet <laughs> with a blanket and mm -hmm. I fell asleep and when they came home they didn't see my uh they didn't see my car they didn't see yeah. I mean they saw my car they didn't see me and so they looking all around where is she where is she and then they heard me one of them heard me snoring and he opens the closet door and there I am curled up in a little ball because I wrote the book in the first person. And so I had to really embody a lot yeah. of the characteristics of that little girl and go back to that place in time. Like I said, when you sweep it under the rug, that's where it stays. Well, guess what? I, you know, I lifted up the rug and everything came flying out. Right, right. And, and so, you know, it was when I was writing the book, I was definitely sharing certain things, I think, with them. Um, but you know, they're too young still to, they're teenagers Yeah, and they're too young to hear their mother was raped or, sure. you know, yeah. things, things of that nature. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. I always think about how, like, when children grow up to become adults, how do they, how do they reconcile how they view their parents when they are children versus how they view their parents as adults? And do they like these people as adults? Do they see them as people they want to be around? I don't, I don't know why I'm saying this kind of, I just, I think about it. It feels like it's relevant to what we're talking about. Cause I think about well, how I you think... saw your, you see wild bill now versus then, you know? Yeah. I, I saw through wild bill pretty quickly. It was pretty, after. the stallion pretty... part got me real. Right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I that, like, that I hung on to for years that he was going to come back and save me. And he never did. And then when I went to find him, you know, we sort of had a quasi relationship a little okay. bit. Like I went through high school, I graduated, I tested out of classes early. I said, I'm going to have to get a job and support myself. Well, Bill did stupid things. Like I was too young to get a driver's license. So I hid hitchhike to my job and it was, I had a job at Chasey Penny selling mm -hmm. robes. And I loved that job. And one day while Bill picked me up, he wanted to drive me home so I didn't have to hitchhike at night. Yeah. Oh, very nice of him, right? He was drunk. He followed me out the employee exit with two poinsettias he just stole. Wow. And 
you know, with hauling ass out to the car, drunk, laughing, the poinsettia are breaking apart. Yeah. You know, throws him in the back of the boot of the car. And, and, you know, and I was so angry at him. Like, why did you do that? Well, of course I got fired, you know, then when, while Bill showed up drunk at my graduation, um, cliche, the total cliche, yeah, yeah. Um, he embarrassed me like you can't believe. Uh, so he, to make up for it, he gave me a car. And I think I was still 15 at the time, but he gave it to me anyway. <laughs> right. And um, he even put the stick that was on the wheel on the floor because I couldn't operate it oh, up okay. here for some yeah. reason. Intuitively, I couldn't do it. So, um, but then when he discovered I was moving to Los Angeles because I hadn't seen him in six months and I called Dave's Tavern and said, you know, I really want to see Wild Bill. Where is he? You know, tell him I'm looking for him because I couldn't call his house because he lived with another family. Yeah. So anyway, he calls me and he, he, he hears rustling and he, he figures out because he's very smart, figured out I was moving. So he put sugar in the gas tank in my car oh, so I wouldn't my leave. Gosh. Come on. No, that's I'm it's true. Wow. It's true. So I mean, you know, but I think as far as my children view me, I think they know me. Yeah. Very well. Yeah. All my children. I think they that's know good. and I think they really appreciate for me for who I am. And, and all, all that I am, yeah. because I am a very, um, uh, I think I'm, I, I think I'm a lot, I think I'm a lot of fun. I think I'm a fun parent. I think you But are. I don't want to be their friends. I'm, I'm very yeah. strict with them too. Yeah. I'm stricter with the boys than I was with Vignette. Right. With Vignette, yeah. I was pretty tough. I mean, I was pretty loosey goosey. Yeah. We were, we were. We were a little bit more like girlfriends. I see. I see. Yeah, I was young. I was young, and you know, I had no role model of how a mother should be. So, right. You know, um, you know, but I was, but I, I think, you know, I really wanted Vignette to have the kind of childhood that I never did. So, yeah, yeah. I wanted could, to be her friend. That could go both ways because you could have experience what you had and then been the same way you could have been the same way you know that's true but you know instantly the second i was pregnant with her i was like this abuse will stop with yeah. me. my child will want for nothing she will be so loved i knew immediately i bonded with her as soon as i was pregnant and and um and the same with my sons yeah yeah they're it's amazing, like that mechanism. How can some people keep repeating the same thing, God, the same I, abuse? And how can some people just immediately know that's never going to happen again? How can we change that? How can we how figure that, that out? I want to know, how, know that how that works. Because I've known plenty of people who like just recycle things. Like it's like, it's just, it's it just so happens, true. you know? And then, then you get your store and you're like, what? Well, how does somebody who has no... Uh, can't no previous experience of how to be better become better 
How does that work? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I, I've really thought about that so much. And it's something that, that I think that's why I really want to, you know, sort of put myself out there mm -hmm. somehow. I'm not really sure how yet, but put myself out there to really be a facilitator yeah. that you can change. Yes. You can be the change the world needs. Yeah. Like each of us has it within us right. to rise up. I'm not saying I never did any bullshit, stupid, dumb, sure. you know, dumb yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> like some of the risks I took, like, like I, I thought nothing of taking those drugs to that old man. Right. It like, wasn't a big deal. As far as I was right? concerned, I didn't even know they were drugs. Of course I peaked. And of yeah. course, I took one of the quaaludes. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. but this yeah. was a different time. It was, it was a, a different, different time. time. It was a different you know? time. I mean, you could actually take that on the plane. Yeah. You know? It was a completely different time. Yeah. No. But I mean, I didn't know I was running drugs. He yeah. just said, could you take this package to my friend <laughs> and I'll give you $250? Yeah. I said, Oh yeah, I'll do that because I nothing was greater to me than riding in a limo into Manhattan yeah. and seeing that skyline. I just mm. lit up like a candle. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. So, you know, I um, I mean, I hate. I don't want to say that I'm glad for the life I've led because so many things I wish I would have could have done without. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm really pretty happy with the person that I've become. Yeah. And I think from writing the book, I'm even happier with myself. That's great. You know, I'm really happy that I'm able to, um, in, you know, get, just be myself. Yeah. And, you know, I really come out with the Pammy Sue business in the first chapter. Yeah. Like just I lay just it all get out it, there. Just yeah. lay it all out there. You know, yeah. while Bill came home drunk yelled out the name of his mistress while he planted the seed that became me and yeah. boom, Pam Sue was born, you know? Wow. I mean, so what do you, so, you know, you strike me as somebody who is still somewhat eccentric and different things. I mean, you do like, it was very immediate when I was like, this person is likes to have a good time. There's something here, you know, <laughs> it's like, there's a fun factor that I want to know about here. I don't know. It's, I mean, um, how do you embody that currently, kind of that eccentric nature? Oh, I think in a lot of ways. I think um, I think definitely I've discovered that writing is a, a way that I can express myself. Mm -hmm. I'm working on two different books right now. Um, I think writing Blind Pony, I don't think I could have become a writer um, if I hadn't written this memoir. Yeah. Because writing the memoir really taught me how to be a writer, you know, just get getting through it all. And um, I mean, I just cannot believe that I'm getting like five star reviews on Goodreads. Awesome. Four star. I, I can't even believe I'm getting one star <laughs> that pe people are reading this and, and, you know, at least they're reading it. You know, yeah. I've got, you know, 633 positive Goodreads. That's reviews. amazing. Um, you know, and this is a self-published book. Yeah. So, and I got a great Kirkus review and, and book like you know, publishers weekly. And so, I mean, it hasn't, you know, I mean, it, it, it's for being, for someone being self-taught, you know, I barely eked through high school. I, you know, I went to college, Royal college of art in London. Mm -hmm. Well, I went there as a nude model. 
for right. the painting department. Right. I mean, that's you know, a whole I, other story. I mean, honestly, I could, we could be exploring a lot of stories here. Yeah, that's, that was a story. I mean, I, mean, you know, I wanted on. to go to college. You know, I wanted to yeah. know what went on in that room. Yeah, yeah. you know, so yeah. I I offered to be the nude model for the painting yeah. department. Yeah, And I learned about a lot of things, you know, color, form, theory. Yeah. And I was just sat there naked, taking it all in. <laughs> Samantha. <laughs> See, like, see, that's like taking a chance to me. Like, that's putting yourself out there, doing something different. That's putting different, yourself out there. Right. But like now, is there anything equivalent to that, like now you're doing? Or you're like, no, nah, I don't go that far anymore. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think. <laughs> I mean, come on, you're, there's something. Are you thinking about it? I see you thinking no, about it. No, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty. I think, you know, I'm doing it with my writing. Yes. Um, okay. You know, I'm exploring a, a book right now that is drawings that are through the male gaze and writing through the female gaze. Mm. And it's sort of an observational book that I'm working on. Um, and then I'm writing a novel. And I think the novel is really off the hook. Wow. It's really pretty crazy. It's again, it's a little bit based on my life. You'll maybe okay. recognize a few characters <laughs> in it if you know me, uh -huh. um, but the ending will stun people. Wow. That's cool. Um, so that I'm really excited about. Other than that, I mean, I think I'm just a really creative yeah. like spirit. You know, I'm always doing something. I'm always totally. ripping something apart and redesigning something and making things and, you know, and, and, and really just, I don't think I'm really that except, well, <laughs> you know, I think it's just who I am, you know, I'm just, kind I think of, so. I think, I think I'm just so. a creative spirit, you know, that I, I just, think you embody it. Just like, I don't even know you. Like I just seeing you seriously, when you came on and then we started talking, it's just, it's, it's, it's your presence. Your presence is eccentric. It just is. That's well, a good you. thing. I think <laughs> I that's know. a positive thing. I really do. Cause there's a lot of boring people. I mean, they're just, there you, know, you know, a lot of boring people. And uh, that's, are. that's one of the things I just, it's a hard thing because you talk to people and it's like, just don't be boring. You know, just, at least just be, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and there's boring people fun. There's no fun. Well, you gotta have fun. You gotta have fun. You know? And I mean, like, you know, honestly, like I've, I've, I don't do drugs. I don't yeah. do anything like that because like, I can't, sure. you know, um, sure. just can't. Yeah. I did enough drugs for us all by the yeah. time I was 18. Right. Right. And, you know, I mean, I was dropping acid when I was 12 years old. And yeah, sure. so I think, you know, now I know better than to do that because I don't think I'd ever come back, you know? Right. Right. Um, so, but I don't, but I, but I feel like, you know, I can get in touch with certain places without that. You know, I sense I can, that with you. Seriously, yeah, it comes across loud and clear. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, it does. I got to talk to Dev, man. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> what? I got to talk to uh, uh, Deb. Wait, I may be messing this up. Didn't Deb book you for with this? Oh, week? you mean Deb Englander? Yeah. No. 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 Oh, Deb. Uh, oh. Deb. Sorry, Deborah Brousseau, Right? No. Am yeah. I? Yeah, Deb yeah, is you're right. She sends me very similar people. I'm telling you, 
the last lady I talked to, you guys could be like sisters. You really oh, could I be. have to beat her. I mean, it was like, seriously, I was like, am I having a similar conversation with Susan Rubin and now Samantha Hart? <laughs> like, very oh, just funny. like eccentric really people, funny. like eccentric people who well, are not boring at all. Well, why are you Dr. D? Uh, I think it's just like a, everybody is, gives me that nickname all the time. I don't know. Hey, Dr. D, Dr. D. And I, I have a doctorate. I have my PhD, but like everybody will just say it. Like they'll first meet me. They'll be like, hey, Dr. D. I'm like, I didn't even say that. I don't even, I don't <laughs> I guess it's what we're going with. <laughs> you know? Well, see, that's your identity. My whole life. I'm telling you. And, and you like, obviously, being yeah, Dr. D. It I suits do. you. You know, I mean, I felt, you know, when I, when my dad called me Sam, yeah, I just felt more like a Sam. Yeah. You know, it wasn't yeah. like a name I plucked, you know, from the universe or sure. something. It yeah. was a name given to me. Yeah. And it just thought it suited me better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, then than uh pammy sue yeah this whole butter thing it's it threw me for a loop for us i was like pammy sue butter that's unbelievable <laughs> and then there's that cooking spray pam butter <laughs> exactly you can imagine the jokes in high school i, I know and it's probably butter my good. balls butter. <laughs> doesn't stick <laughs> uh should i go on keep going, keep going. No. <laughs> that was bad that was bad it was so bad it was amazing Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> butter my balls <laughs> i mean you people are crazy that, you, you can edit that no no out, we don't right? edit anything no <laughs> we don't need to edit that why it's hilarious <laughs> You know what people like? People like to see people laughing and enjoying themselves. That's beautiful. Well, I'll say, yeah. I mean, right? I love to laugh. I love it. You know, I used to I tell a story in the book when I was little. I used to, you know, there was so much pain in our yeah. house. Yeah. Um, I had this thing that I did where I would go out into the freezing cold snow barefoot and get so cold that my lips would chatter. And then mm. I would make, I would turn my lips upside down in this weird way and roll my eyes a certain way. And like, I swear I can't do it now or like, I'll mm. probably, I'm afraid it won't like, it'll freeze or something. <laughs> um, but, and I, I called it the frozen Seymour and I would do this face and my lips would turn like purple and my sisters would just be like, dying from laughter yeah, they would just be yeah. dying from laughter and i and i loved it and i i would do this and torture myself because it made me feel something to be yeah. able to laugh like that yeah. you know i love it i love yeah. laughing i love laughing too that's why you can't be boring you know there's no. if it's boring it's just kind of like monotonous it's no fun see you're the best type of guest to talk to because <laughs> you just throw wild shit out there you say cra crazy stuff, but it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it's and it's well, you know, I I I thought about you before I no came on your show today. Just <laughs> right before I came on, and I said, you know, I don't want to be like 
all this sad sack yeah. story, you know, because that's really not what my book is about. Yeah. I don't want people to get the impression that Blind Pony, as true as stories I can tell, is about like just this deep, sad story. Yeah, It's a story of triumph, really. And it's a positive story. And it's yeah. it's an uplifting story. I mean, there are some, you know, sad parts to get through, but it's a story of empowerment and finding yeah. your, your worth and your identity. Yeah. And so I really, I really appreciate the fact that you allowed me to sort of get there to oh, a place yeah. where we're laughing instead of, you know, wallowing. Yeah. I, no. And I remember you said that in the beginning and I was like, okay, there's something going on here. We're going to get to, <laughs> we're going to get to it. And eventually it led to, you know, it always comes back to Pammy Sue butter. On some level, it does always comes back, you know. It I, does. I mean, I was laughing so hard, so hard <laughs> at those. I mean, I was dying, and you know what? There's nothing better than laughing that hard. Oh my gosh, it's incredible! Uh -huh. It's real because it's real, it's not yeah. fake. You're you're real. These stories, even though these stories are crazy, some of them are the stallion got me. <laughs> Wild Bill, and I said, I think I've seen that movie before. <laughs> There's a movie. Well, I know. Like that. I, I know. I saw it. <laughs> you definitely saw the real movie. Uh, and you know, I saw it for years and years and years <laughs> in my mind, over and over. And every time, it got more and more uh, dramatic. You know, uh, I mean, if you made a movie, it would be like every time she'd have one of these flashbacks. It's like, <laughs> oh. Worse and worse, and worse, worse and worse. Yeah. Yeah. I the mean, poinsettias and stuff. I mean, it's just oh, like, just, you can't make that shit up because I can think of like my mom worked at a JC Penney's when I was in high school and I'm imagining Wild Bill coming into a JC Penney's or something with these poinsettias and just, you know. Yeah, no, that's exactly what he did. And he throws them in the back of his car and there's dirt flying and the poinsettias are breaking. And, and then we go to Dave's tavern and he put flanks one on each end of the bar. And he's like, you know, and you can't stay mad at him because yeah, he that's hard charisma, you know, that charisma, you would just be like, dad, you know, why do you think this is funny? This is not funny. You know, this yeah. is my job. I care about this job. Oh, it's just a stupid job, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You'll get another one, you know? Like, I mean, really unbelievable. And then um, I, I, oh, this is, you'll love this. I became Angie. Angie? Well, I had to become, uh, I got a job after JCPenney as a uh, server in an Italian restaurant. Right. But you had to be in Arizona, in Phoenix, Arizona at the time, you had to be 19 to serve alcohol. Mm -hmm. So I used this girl named Angie's ID. Hmm. Now she had brown hair and brown eyes, but that didn't matter. The guy hired me. Yeah. I'm blonde, blue eyed. And um, he hired me, but he's always yelling out, Angie, Angie. And I wouldn't turn around. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> now I'm Pammy Sue, I'm Sam, <laughs> and I'm Angie. Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> so, so finally you know he and i tell him, no he's like what what do you he says you're are you zoning out what are you high and i'm like no i just i'm trying so hard to do this job i want to do a good job he finally had it he fired me <laughs> trying to figure and out who i so, am 
all I could get was a job at Hobo Joe's and it was way up on Black Canyon Highway, like yeah. a freeway and a scary like sort of place where, you know, at the end of the line before you get on like to go to Prescott or yeah. wherever. Yeah. And um, like kind of a truck stop in a way. Yeah. And I saw more of Wild Bill when I worked for the two weeks at Hobo Joe's than the, <laughs> in the entire time I lived there. Cause he found out I was working there and he'd come there and taught me. And I was like the hostess and he, he'd come there drunk and he'd like get more coffee, more coffee, you know, more like, and like just, I mean, it was just <laughs> what a life. Insane. And, and if you keep it, can even imagine while Bill would then get in his car and say, okay, see you, Sam and leave to go to his family after he'd wow. sober up a little bit and leave me, 15 years old to go over to the freeway and stick my thumb out to get back to That's my crazy. apartment. <clears throat> crazy. Yeah. It's what hard a life. To what yeah. a life. Samantha Hart, Pammy Sue Butter, Angie. There's somebody else in that. <laughs> I am the real Sam Hart. That's she's the I real Sam. At, at real Sam Hart. I mean, she's the real Sam Hart. <laughs> I mean, what a pleasure. I mean, what an exciting time to talk to you. Seriously, I, I had a great time. I mean, really fun time. Well, I would, I would love you to read the book and then... Uh, I need to read the book. And then have me back on. Yes. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. We'll make it happen. Okay. We'll do that. I'm actually going to... Um, because I love to connect back with the people who um, book you know, guests for me here and there, other publicists were like, yo, this was crazy. This was, I need more of this. I need more of this. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you having me on your show. Thank you, Thank you so much and allowing you to share, share so much of my story. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it was honestly, Samantha, it was incredible to meet you. Seriously. Like I knew the second I saw you and started talking, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. It's, you just know it. You just know it. Aww. And then you know when it's not going to be good either. Seriously. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll be in touch.